We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. In the year of our Lord, 2022, I'm John Fanta. Tonight, we've got a great panel. RC Randolph Childress is here, and he is joined by the coach. Chris Mack is with us. Chris. They did not cancel the pilot episode. You've made it to show two of After Dark. <laughs> so far, so good, man. I appreciate you having me once again. <laughs> but but they did. I think you might have fired Goodman from, right? Goodman needs to be fired all the time. But, uh, yeah, the fact that he's not on tonight probably will make the show go a lot smoother and a lot more enjoyable for the folks watching. <laughs> Randolph Childress, it's great. Oh, to, it's great to see your face. It's it's great to be talking hoop with you. You know, I'm curious, Randolph, because we've discussed this a couple of times mm-hmm. this week. So we're a little over a month into this season. You've seen a lot of teams. When you think about the national picture, how many teams could win the national championship? I, I still think it's so hard to say. I I mean none of us would have picked the Carolina to run and they were a rebound away from, from winning it. And that group, we all were debating on whether they should have gotten the tournament. And if I had to pick an early favorite right now for me, oh, I hate to do this. Cause I know Rob is somewhere listening and, and, and I, I don't know. Oh my. Yeah. I, I, the Huskies look really, really good to me right now. I love their, their bigs, but I love their wings. I I I they're they're defending. I'm just if you had to, I I say I, I Purdue played probably the best resume has been as good as anyone. I I just don't know if come tournament time how that's going to play out again. They just hadn't had a lot of success in the tournament. They're a great program, obviously, but I I worry about bigs in the tournament when the things slow down in the small ball era with with guys. I worry about how they match up and that team even with a guy like Zach Eady has multiple bodies to throw at him. So. Right. I, I, if I had to pick one right now, I'd say UConn. So you picked one, and but the the answer is you you don't really know. I mean, and Chris, no, I don't. Yeah, that's just it. Like Chris, you had an elite eight team one year. 
that team didn't look like an Elite Eight team in December, even in January, even in early February at Xavier. It's yeah. that that's the the beauty and the other side of the tournament, right? right? Yeah, I, I'm with Randolph. At least I, I think it's way too early. Way I mean, too. obviously the the heavyweights that you talk about every year. You know, I think Kansas obviously is a really good team. Duke has a lot of young players that uh, you know. Who who knows how that development will look in two or three months? Uh, you know, Houston looks like they got a bunch of dogs and they got some experience. Uh, so I, I just think right now, though, it's it's way too early. And I and I love I love Purdue. I love the way the way they play. I love what sure. they stand for. I don't know if they have a guy that necessarily can, you know, create his own shot down the stretch. But uh, Zach Eady's hard to guard, man. <laughs> the way the way he's playing this year, his size is just uh, it's awfully unique for teams when they have to face him. Mm. So tough, so difficult to guard, and. That's the point at the top of the show, folks. In a, in a night where we didn't have a ton of games, the point is right now in this sport, you look at this week, you look at the first month and change, you think one thing about a team one night, the next night they come out and you feel like you don't even know who they are. Identities are still being formed, and some of them might not come on until that calendar turns. You hope it comes on then. You hope it doesn't come on too early. That's a good thing for college basketball. The state and the sport is very healthy. It's not like we've got a team that's going to go into the tournament at 31-0 and and then just run ship in the tournament and make it to the Final Four of the National Championship game in fall like we saw with Gonzaga a couple of years ago. And, and it, it, there was no doubting going into that tournament that Baylor and Gonzaga were probably going to be in the Final Four and could likely be in the National Championship game, and that's what happened. This year... You could see any one of 20 to 30 combinations. And I don't think it would surprise either of us. But let's turn to tonight here and what we saw. Ohio State, 67. Rutgers, 66. Tanner Holden had three points on the night. They were the final three points of the game. A game winner for Holden. And the Buckeyes take it by one over Rutgers. And we are joined by their head coach, Chris Holtman now coming to us from Columbus. Chris, I see a smile on your face. Chris Mack <laughs> is with us. Randolph Childress is with us. When you can win on a buzzer beater, man, that grins a little bit wider. I don't care how it happens, what happens. Tanner Holden, the hero tonight. How would you describe it? Yeah, when you can win at all, that's that's for sure. In league play, and obviously you guys all know that, uh, in league play, if you can get a win, home, road, uh, you got a big smile on your face because they're hard, hard to get. So uh, great being with you guys, Randolph, Chris, John, great being with you guys. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a good win. Rutgers is really good. I think they're really good. They're hard to play. Um, they obviously uh, really took it to Indiana, but I just think they're really good. Steve does a great job. Their big kid's great. They're long. They're great defensively. It's a great win for I just, us. I, I just wanted to say congratulations, Coach. You drew up a hell of a play to win it at the end there. I mean, that, that was text. You know how that works, man. Time out. <laughs> we, have a, we have a saying that you'll appreciate, players win games. You know, that's <laughs> – you know how that is, man. Like, no doubt. I tell you, Randolph, we, we had this – so we had a, a play called um, if he made it, um, and, and we had the guy who made the shot – was our best baseball pass guy. And that's why I subbed him in. 
And because um, he and he's the guy who ended up making make, making the three, it shows you how crazy this business is. <laughs> I subbed him in to throw a full court pass, thinking we were going to be down three, and he drains the three. <laughs> so uh, yeah, man, I, I, you know, my wife said, "Hey, don't tell the media that. Like, tell him you subbed him in. You know, no." He was, I was like, "I don't care, man." Like, so yeah, it worked out. Hey, who does your interior decorating, man? That's pretty impressive there behind you. You know what I mean? I would have thought you'd been at like a a Columbus sports bar tonight after that one, but you're just sitting in the kitchen. like Mac, I'm exhausted, man. Like I'm exhausted. Like I'm what the hell for? You didn't do anything. That's exactly sit on the side. You just told us that the play you ran wasn't even the one that ended up winning the game. You put a kid in to throw the pass and he shoots the ball. Yes. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. They won in spite of me, basically. We won in spite of me. That's what you're saying. I don't believe that for a second, man. But you're right, Chris. I'll tell you what, Rutgers is tough as nails. And really it's hard are. to get a shot around the rim. You guys obviously aren't the biggest team in America. Um, you know, that that last possession you had before the game winner, a kid gets a shot blocked by Cliff and um, – you know, fortunate miss free throw and puts you guys in the opportunity to win the game. Unbelievable shot. It was, it was an unbelievable. I, I tell you that the kid, Bruce Thornton, he's a freshman guys. And uh, he made two phenomenal plays in the last four minutes of the game. He got on the floor for a loose ball, tie up, calls a timeout. And he takes didn't a go charge. Out of bounds. Didn't go and out he of didn't bounds. go out of bounds. Yeah, he didn't go out of bounds. Like the other part of it, we could debate that was Tanner inbounds, you know, the established position, whatever. But but Bruce didn't go out of bounds. And I think to deliver that ball and have the poise to do that was incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so much that's already on social media about the fact that Tanner Holden was out of bounds. You know how many times when teams run baseline runner, the cutter steps out of bounds. You're, you're yep. screaming to the official, he can't touch the ball. Guy passes yep. it to him as he comes off right. the cut. They never call it. So that's right. Um, that's that's never. I don't even know why it's in the rule book to be honest. But uh, yeah, you know, you could tell Rutgers bench didn't even put up a fight because they they didn't know it happened either. I mean, it's just part of the game. Yeah, it's it's a, you know it's obviously a tough way to lose, and they, you know, you could argue they they deserve to 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 be right there and win the game. But you know, again, these these games always like we got nineteen more. I got nineteen yeah. more of these. I mean, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> hey, you um, lost the three about a two possessions prior to when Zed, you know, got the, uh, no doubt. you know, the illegal screen, which, yeah, you know, yeah. Hummel said yes, it. then he said no, then he said yes. So, you know, Hummel yes. doesn't even know what, whether it's an illegal screen or a legal screen. <laughs> Is that what Hummel said? <laughs> he, yeah, he went know, back he and forth. He needed to see it six or seven <laughs> times on replay to say that it was an illegal screen. So that tells you all you need to know. I was not happy with that, with that call, oh. um, but – I just think in that situation, um, you know, unless it's egregious, you got to let that thing go. It's my, it's my thought. But anyway, it, you know, balance. I'll tell out. Kip the next time I talk to him. You know. Okay. Right. <laughs> you guys got finals coming up, Coach. Yeah, we got uh, we, get, we have finals coming up, and then uh, we got uh, Carolina next Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we got Carolina next Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Play. yeah just you know. I, I don't, you know, this playing league games. I'm, I'm still not used to playing league games this early. You know, you just, I just, it's, it's different feeling. And yeah. I know it's coaches. We don't love it, but it's, it's here. So, but again, give, give Rutgers credit. They're good. Are good. Chris, you said in the preseason that this has been one of the most unique 
lead-ups to a season that you never had as a coach because sometimes you looked around at your team and there was just so much new. Yeah. And and that level of unknown, while it can be something that, that one keeps you up thinking about how are all these pieces going to come together, there's also a, a fascination with it because you get to watch these guys grow up. Like, yeah, we started two freshmen tonight, John, and uh, we put the ball in the hands of one of our freshmen there, uh, last year we were able to beat Duke on a similar action where EJ Liddell had a step back going to his left and, and uh, I give the Rutgers kid a ton of credit. We just got a little bit too deep in that one. He made a block, but playing two freshmen, get a ton of experience. We played four total. Um, but uh, yeah, getting those guys experience. And then along with guys like, you know, our three transfers is just critical. You know, I think we've been able to win some games here that I think, um, you know, I wasn't sure going into the season if we would be able to win this early in the year. So um, I, I feel really good about where we're at. And without Isaac tonight, without yeah. Isaac Likely, what, what's the latest you could tell us about him? Yeah, Isaac's just had some, he's had some tough stuff, uh, family um, stuff, and some, some really kind of tragic situations with people really close to him. And, um, you know, we want to give him time and space to take as long as he needs uh, to kind of work through all that. So there's no real timetable on a return. Coach, who's impressed you on your roster this early in the year? You said you get you playing freshman, you got transfers coming in. Who's coming in a short period of time and impressed you probably the most? I think our point guard, you know, I keep coming back to him, Randolph. I, I just think he played 38 minutes in the first Big Ten game. Didn't shoot it well, but they dogged in the whole game. So it was. I think he wore down a little bit. Um, and I just think he's he's a two-way player, and he plays to win. And you know how it is, guys. When you're recruiting um, kids, not every kid who's a good player understands early in his career play, what playing to win looks like. And um, he does, and that's a credit to his coaches, really, and, and the kind of kid he is. He's not afraid of the moment either, is he, Coach? Not at all. No. He no. Sure, certainly doesn't look like it. Even when you – I know you dropped a tough one at Duke, but, like, I, I thought he was – you know, he's playing going against Jeremy Roach, you know, a kid that has really worked his way and being one of the better point guards in the country. And I, I thought Bruce held his own. He did. He's really tough. And to your point, he doesn't get sped up and he doesn't, the moment's not too big for him. Um, and he cares about winning. Like he really cares about winning, man. It's just, and I know, it, you know, it's, it's just, he's, he's a rare, he's a rare one. And our, our, I love all of our freshmen, but he just, he, he's the one that comes across in my mind right now. Yeah. Head of the snake too. <laughs> he is. He's turned the ball all the way over the place. You're going to be thinking <laughs> a lot differently about him then. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He is, he's uh, he takes care of, it. we actually want him to take a few more chances, but yep. he's got, you know, he's got big time poise, you know, Texas tech, we played them. They weren't able to really speed him up. So that's saying um, something, too, with their defense. No doubt. No doubt. You know, I, I don't have head-to-heads here uh, on on hand here, uh, numbers-wise. He got me. Did he? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's that's what was coming. Yeah, he's yeah. He's the one still coaching, so, you know, see how that works <laughs> out, right? <laughs> yeah, you're the one worrying about freaking interior design in your house. <laughs> that's right, Yeah, man. that's right. That's the one that can sit back with a Miller light and ask Chris why he <laughs> – Put a certain kid in the game. I will say this. Mac looks the best I've seen him in like 10 years. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like the best I've seen him in like 10 years. Happy, big old smile, man. He looks looks a couple years younger. So I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we had some battles. You know, um, 
I'm a part of this, as you guys know, this incredible rivalry here with, you know, Ohio State and the, the, the team up north. And Randolph, I'm sure you guys had rivalries. Um, you know, I don't know necessarily who that would have been for you guys, but yet obviously I know you had rivalries where it was like it's the biggest game of the year. You know, for for us, you know, when I was at Butler, it was always it was always those guys. And uh man, some of my some of the worst moments I've had in coaching was losing and hearing that fan base in Hinkle chant. Oh man, that was some <laughs> bad memories. So uh, you know, we were able to get them a few times, but we had we had some great battles. You know, the one time that 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 we got him got you at Hinkle, and you'll remember this when you blew right by me on the handshake. You know what I mean? It was like like <laughs> John, I never seen a guy go right past me that quickly. I was like, man, I thought Holman was a decent guy, just right by me. Uh, hey, I'm not he above. Was I'm mad because JP McCura, you know, put a little exclamation <laughs> point on it. I think he would have clotheslined if he were out there on the floor. I would have. I, <laughs> I know you would have. <laughs> yes, I would have. I remember that exact play. I, hey, and I, I'd like to say I'm big enough that I've never, you know, done the flyby on a handshake. But I, I got to admit that was a fly. <laughs> On my part. <laughs> That's all right, man. I got the text that night, and I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Well, this was fun. Chris Holman, congrats on the win at the buzzer over Rutgers. Buckeyes are 7-2 and two on the year. And Holt, we appreciate the time. Feel free, just in that Zoom chat, you can message over phone number and email for interior design for the Mac Castle. <laughs> all right. Good luck, Holt. Thanks, guys. Good, Thanks, guys. Good being with you. Take care. Thank you, Chris Holman. Great to have him on. Mac, what makes him a good coach? Man, I just think he's incredibly detailed. His kids are always tough. Um, you know, I, I I think that, you know, Chris's teams have an identity. They, they know uh, how they want to play on both ends. There's nothing that you're going to do offensively that's going to surprise them. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, they're a little undersized this year. You know, they, they, they just are, but they still rebound the ball. They still defend. Um, I mean, he's played a really tough schedule. And so um, kudos to those guys. I know that that's a tough win. You know, Rutgers is <laughs> way better than they used to be. That's for sure. And Ooh. I know he feels really good about that win. They got some guys. That was a tough one. That was. That was a tough one. I mean, they stole one, to be quite honest. Yeah. I thought Rutgers did enough at the end that, that they seemed to control that game at the end. And, Wow. Yep. I mean, I, I I was and you knew there was a lot of time. You knew there was a possibility, but you know if they made the free throw, I'm thinking they're gonna foul again and and just right. Totally I mean, just they get like two or three possessions in that last like what thirty seconds. You know where it's like, you know, you've been on that side of the the coin so many times where your team's getting fouled. You go down and make the free throws and they throw up a garbage shot at the end. Mm. You walk off the floor with the win and and man, it's a good feeling. I'm sure. Oh, at home too is great. Yep. Well, and they're interesting because, as he said, they went the freshman route in the offseason and leading up to the offseason. They had locked in this freshman class. Now, they brought in a couple transfers, Sean McNeil, Isaac Likely, but tonight you don't have Likely. Right. you got to rely on freshmen. And, and Holtman said it, like, in 2022, he said there's no disrespect to the guys that are trying to to get the quick fix and bring in the transfer who can get, get your program going. But he still believes in the art of bringing in a freshman class. Thoughts? I'm, I mean, I, I think, I think if coaches 
could have it their way, John. I think that's how they would do it. But you know, there's so many kids that 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 don't stick it out. You know, when right. times get tough, and obviously it's made it a lot easier now that you don't have to sit out a year. And um, you know, I, I talked about the other night the kid James Farr that we had when I was at Xavier. James, I think, as a freshman, played less than 40 minutes the entire year. He'd have transferred if he'd played for me in 2021. You know, he just would have. I, I wouldn't have blamed him. But, you know, he sticks around. He continues to get better. By the time he's a senior, he's second in the Big East in, in, in rebounding. And, you know, Chris obviously has some impact freshmen. You know, I think Bruce Thornton is I – mean, he said it, man, solid as he gets as a freshman point guard. I mean – what he was doing with Jeremy Roach the other night in terms of like play for play, matching him, keeping the ball in front, running his team and Cameron indoor as a freshman. I, I was completely impressed. And then obviously tonight uh, as well, you know what? He had the poise, even when he got caught up in the air, yep. he still had the poise to give it off to Tanner Holden to get the shot up. Most kids might've double clutch. I thought he was going to heave it. I thought he was going to throw it up and panic. And, and I'm sure when he jumped in the air, the I'm sure when he jumped in the air, ran off, that's probably what he was thinking. Yes. And then he was smart enough to realize, what am I doing? I got a teammate right here. And uh, obviously it turned out, you know, in their favor, Made the right play. And then sensible. I mean, like Chris, they put it in his hands at the end of the game, he gets all the way to the rim. And like he said, he got a little too deep and, and cliff blocked the shot, but uh, they got, they've got some really good freshmen. And Chris does a great job in developing players, his staff as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, here's the deal. End of the game. And we're going to talk about this. It's being talked about all over because before hitting the game winner, Tanner Holden was out of bounds before stepping back in to catch the Bruce Thornton pass. And the rule is, after stepping out of bounds, you can't be the first to catch the basketball. That's a violation. Your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, my thoughts are this, that they never call that. Again. They, they never call that. And I said it before with Chris, there's a lot of teams that run baseline runner action. You know, they'll, yep. two, they'll put two big guys right on the blocks, They'll have the ball handler up top, and usually they put a second guard at the at the free throw line right at the nail, and then they'll have their guy under the basket going Reggie Miller style, picking which which screen he wants to come off of, John. Kentucky runs it a lot. There's a lot of teams that run baseline runner. And I'm going to tell you nine times out of ten, that cutter goes out of bounds, and the pass goes directly to him. And the referees never call it. I mean, we had a – I can't remember who we played several years back. We sent a clip to our uh, – officials coordinator 
They set, stepped out 17 times from baseline runner. They never, they never called it once. And so, like, it doesn't surprise me. And, you know, you can tell if a coach and a coaching staff really thought something egregious happened at the end and the referee missed it, they would have been running out on the court. I don't think Rutgers said anything. You know, it's easy to, like, look at it and, and, uh, in an instant replay. Um, I, I don't even know why the rule's in existence, to be honest. I, I don't think anybody's even – question it because i wonder how many people even thought about that as far as being a rule anyway exactly because, because when you're thinking about a, a baseline of the bounds how many times this year already have we seen someone inbound the ball then someone runs out of bound they pass it step back and bounds and catch it again you're not thinking anything between that scenario and a late game scenario that would that we just watched tonight you're not thinking there's a difference in either play i throw it out of bounds and then i step in bounds and i'm the first one to catch it because i want to get the foul or whatever people do all these little Yep. creative inbound plays late to get the ball into someone. So I, I I wonder if people really even knew that was a rule. Then obviously the officials didn't think much of it because they sure as hell didn't call it. Yep. And I don't think they're ever looking for it. And that's no, no, on the base. No. You know, here's the thing. So I'm going to look back on, on something in the preseason. And, and let, let me preface it by saying like, I'm not here cheering for Ohio state and I'm, you know, Hey Rutgers, you know, take that. I really, no. I really don't care. No, right. Rutgers could have made the shot. We would have. Yeah, Rutgers could have exactly. made the shot. You, I just don't think it's a, a call that gets called. No, it's not a call that gets called. And here's the thing: if that's the call that decides the game, you sit there saying, "Ugh, that's gross." Like if that's how the game would end. It. I understand right. by the rule book, but but here's the deal: if 95 percent of the time it goes uncalled, your rule book becomes invalid. Yeah. And this goes back to something that. On a preseason broadcast call that that we have with Fox Sports, that that I have being part of their their commentary crew, they brought on the the new head of officials this year in college basketball, Chris Rastatter. And Chris said one of his last bullet points in his rundown was have feel for the game. And he said, let me clarify that to all of you. He goes, we, we talked to our officials about the fact that we can put together points of emphasis. We can put together what we're looking at, hand checks and over the back and what you name it, jump balls. But it's at a certain point, you have got to have the right feel for the game that's developing. That, to me, guys, that makes a great official. I'm not saying they have easy jobs, but the ones who understand the fact that if Xavier's playing Cincinnati on Saturday... There's a reason why the three guys who get assigned the game get assigned the game. You have to be a special breed to do that game and understand there's going to be some contact that you need to hold your whistle on. Yeah. Uh, no question. You, you have to do that. But, you know, I'd also say we, we, we get in those, you get in those situations again. You're not thinking about that. You want, you want the players to decide the game, and tonight the players decided the game. If – he didn't go out of bounds trying to manipulate the rule or try to hide it. I mean, he just, it's it just the way to play developed. There was no malicious intent trying to do anything to bend the rules or, or, or try to sneak and, and get something done underhanded. It just, it just happened. The kid made a shot, hadn't made a shot all game. And that was the first shot of the game for a game winner. Kudos to him. A player decided the game. If you're going to lose as devastating as it is, there's a million other things you can point to of your records and say, if we would have, could have, should have did this right, we would have won this game. So I, I think they're okay with that. They're proud of their effort. You know they're disappointed about the win. I mean, the loss, no doubt about it. But 
that's a hell of an effort. And you got a lot of teaching points to go back, but you don't have a lot to be angry with your team on tonight because they, they, they played their tails off. They competed their tails off. They did. All right, let's turn to the team up north, Michigan, taking on Minnesota <laughs> at the barn tonight. Wolverines winning 90-75. to Hey, by the way, we've got Fran McCaffrey, the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes, coming up on tonight's show. So if you're a Big Ten follower, this show tonight is for you. The Big Ten has gotten off to such a strong start to the year, and the Hawkeyes bounce back tonight by rolling past the Cyclones without Chris Murray. How'd they do it? That is coming up here on After Dark. We're presented by Bat Rivers. Head to feelthe68.shop, feelthe68.shop. Check out our merchandise. Check out all those shirts. I know Mac is going to do some shopping. Goodman gets like 8%. You can start to help him out with that $460 card game tab that you talked about on show one. <laughs> uh, Michigan wins 90-75 to 75 tonight. Randolph, they, they now have life without Jalen Llewellyn, who's out for the season, the, yeah. the transfer guard from Princeton. A lot of high hopes. So it's Kobe Bufkin, it's Doug McDaniel had a big night, Jed Howard and company. I guess the question I have for you is, the Michigan Wolverines, they've had a bit of an up-and-down start to the season. How good do you think they can still be? I thought little Dougie played well tonight, man. Dougie stepped up and, and, and played really, really well, right? Can he keep that up? Man, he's a blur. He's a small guard, but he's a blur. I mean, he's gonna be, he's a tough guard to handle. I mean, it, it, what's different about him is he has elite speed. You just don't run up on him. Like you're gonna have to play him a certain way. There's not a lot of guys in college basketball that can that can cover as much ground as he can. So that's a different element. He's not a great shooter, but they got a dominant guy. When you got a dude, you, you can go somewhere. They, 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 when you got guys like Hunter Dickinson, you can play through that can just change the game. He's a great passer. Tough guard one on tough to guard one on one. They got enough guys with Jet making shots. I mean, they can be a problem now. You lose a battle like that, there's depth. There's depth issues you got to worry about. The injury bug is real. Um, but I, they're right there. All these teams, everybody we've seen has flaws. There's only like two or three teams that we've seen right now. We're like, man, this team looks to be just really, really good. But all of them have flaws, and we've seen some of Michigan's in a sense of being inconsistent. But, but again. Uh, who hasn't been that way this early right now? That's that's part of what we're saying. We can nitpick every roster in every situation. Right. Any feelings on Michigan, Chris, from, from what you've seen? Well, I just think if, if, if you have a kid like Hunter Dickinson, right. And you surround him by some guys like tonight, they go 10 for 18 from the three point line. They're, they're going to, they're going to give anybody a game. They play anybody. Yep. Because you know, like, Hunter isn't that kid that they can only roll to the rim and finishes around the basket. You can post him up. He can pass out of a double team. You know, for a while you saw Minnesota really blitzing the hard hedge in the ball screens and they were short rolling him. And so now he's, he's made, maybe making the hockey assist, uh, spraying it. I mean, like we recruited Hunter out of DeMatha high school. You know, we have Mike Pegues on my staff who's now at mm -hmm. Butler, DeMatha guy. We were in Hunter's living room and we watched him play a whole lot. And I'm going to tell you, he can really pass. Yes. He can almost, almost when he was in high school to a fault. You know, it's like if nobody's doubling you, you got to score the thing. And he's learned that. And obviously he's gotten better and better. But if, again, if they, if they shoot the ball the way they did tonight, um, Hunter's a very difficult matchup for anybody in the country. Seven foot one, he can score it. 
And when you double, he can pass it. And like he said, Doug McDaniels also from DC. He's a blur. He is a blur. So uh, I, I know losing Llewellyn hurt them, but I also don't think that they're uh, a lost team by any means. I think that they, they can continue to get better and, um, you know, be a tournament team. It's interesting because the net rankings come out and it, it's early because analytics always have certain things that are just skewed this, this soon into the season, like you guys brought up at the top of the show. But the Big Ten had seven of the top 30 teams in the net rankings. In other words, because they're going to be playing each other for the next couple months, they've set themselves up to get at least seven teams, perhaps eight, perhaps nine teams into the NCAA tournament. You think about this league right now. Illinois comes back and beats Texas. Purdue could be argued as the best team in the country. Indiana has just one loss. It came at Rutgers. You both just said you think Rutgers is really, really tough. There's no shame in that. Indiana will meet Arizona Saturday night. My question to you, Randolph Childress, is we've seen the Big Ten have the strong start to the season. Do you believe that this version of the Big Ten, that these versions of these teams are going to actually do damage when it matters most? They're very well. They're very well capable of doing that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like you know. I, I know. I guess Bayheim's comment about the tournament and they, when, when coaching wise, and Chris, you know this. Everybody's in their league is going. Everybody thinks their league's the best. If you're in the Big Twelve, you think that league's the best. If you're in the Big Ten. ACC has history on that side, so they're always going to be like, it was a down year a year ago, and everybody's going to be like, I told you so. Like, like we came back at the very end. I told you so. But, but. The Big Ten is is loaded. It's going to be a difficult task for everyone there, and, and and it's a it's a gauntlet, and no one expected Rutgers wasn't one of those teams that nope. we talked about being the top sixteen, and I don't know if anybody wants to play that team. They definitely they sure as hell don't want to go there. So <laughs> it's it's going to be a tough battle night and night out, and they're going to beat each other up, and I think they're going to get up to upwards to seven seven eight teams in a tournament. Is there yeah. something to be said? Go ahead. No, I I just think that 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 becomes a really fun narrative for fans and people right, to talk right. about like how the big 10 isn't built for the NCAA tournament. I just think it's all hogwash, you know, and this is from a guy who's never <laughs> been in the big 10, you know, it's just certainly, okay. You look at results and and their teams lost earlier last year, but you know, who's to say that doesn't change th this coming year, you know, like the tournament, I mean, a shot here, a shot yes. there. I mean, like if, if the kid Holden misses that shot tonight, Rutgers wins. I mean, that, that's what happens in the NCAA tournament. Yep. And so um, I'm not a big believer in the in the Big Ten not being built for the NCAA tournament. You know, maybe they don't have recent history on their side, but um, I, I think that's always ready to go out the door at any moment in any tournament. Hmm. You know – Brad Underwood said this during the summer in a conversation. He said, the key to winning in the tournament is to just keep getting in the tournament because that's the way it's set up. The year that you least expect it, you're going to go on that run. The year that you think that you've got every piece in part is when you have that off day on a, on a Thursday or Friday at noon. Like that's, that's also the system of it. And that's, that's this sport. Is there something to be said, Chris, if it's not the type of thing where you're not buying and I'm with you, there's talented teams that on any given day could lose a game that 
January, February, and then into your conference tournament, there's something to be said about league play being a war, and then it can take a toll on a team. I I, I believe that. I absolutely believe that. I mean, I think, you know, the, the amount of conference games that, that, that we're playing now is, you know, crazy. You're talking about 20 conference games and, um, you know, like Chris mentioned before, playing conference games in December. And these are hard-fought Big Ten, a lot of half-court grinded slugfest type games. Um, and so you are beat up a little bit. But then I think that, you know, the other part of that is you get into the tournament and you f- start to face teams that, that don't play like that, that uh, get up and down a little bit more, that play with a little bit more finesse and skill. And, uh, you know, maybe there's something to be said for that. But uh, certainly I do think the grind of a season, you know, can wear on teams as they get closer to the NCAA tournament, for sure. Chris, let me ask you this while you're here, too, from someone that was doing the scheduling. Like, what do you feel like that from, you know, like in the ACC? You had a 20-game – we had a 20-game schedule, right? Then you had an MTE. You had the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So you essentially had 23, 24 conference games. How did you feel about preparing your off your your out of conference schedule your your bye games or whatever you want to yeah. call? Yeah, well, I think it first all first of all depended on what type of team you right. felt so like. So you changed hey, it pretty much every year depending you had on your coming team, back. You but yeah. you know, Randolph, I'll tell you, like your schedule is almost filled out for you nowadays. Yeah, you know, like if you're yeah. in Louisville, you, yes. you you were playing, you know, Kentucky every year. Period. Right. You know, you were playing in the. Uh, you know, Big Ten ACC Challenge every right. year. You know, you were always in some exempt event that you didn't really control your opponents. You know, so all of a sudden, and, and when I when I got to Louisville, there was a four year contract with Western Kentucky on the books, and so we, we didn't have a whole lot of freedom. You know, it was like we were trying to schedule maybe one home and away with a high major, and then we were trying to schedule some guarantee games strategically with. You know, the dates and when we were returning from tournaments and things of that nature. So I think the flexibility that the coaches have nowadays is, is very different from what it used to look like. Oh, uh, one last thing for you on this before we move on for a job like Xavier, because we did that and I hated playing you at Xavier because I thought hey, it man, was another you high major you game. You can't call it Xavier now. You know, you got, Xavier, it's like Xavier. xylophone. It's, it's, it's Xavier. Xavier. You know, Xavier. I got to help you out, RC. I, it's Xavier. You're well, right. the reason why, <laughs> wait, RC, RC, the reason why, it's not you. It's it's that there's there's fans across town. I, I, I know, I know. And I, yeah. and I, and I didn't want to, I don't want, I'm not worried about it, but I don't want any extra blowback on him about yeah, it. So I know yeah. it, they're going to give him crap if allow me to say it. So I'm going to go ahead and let him go. Exactly. They're going to get some. So, so, for, so for Chris, I'm going to go ahead and correct myself and I say. I appreciate it. If you're coaching now, like people yep. take the advantage of God. In hindsight now, take away all the financial pieces and everything else. Right. A job like Xavier as opposed to not, it can not even be Louisville. It can be another high major job because you're the, you're the, you're the big ticket there mm-hmm. at Xavier, right? If you were to take away the financial packages and everything else, if you were advising another coach, what would be the benefits of jobs like that? And what would you recommend? Because well, there's a lot of things that come with the high jobs, the high major jobs and everything else. And you don't know them until you get in them. Right. But you're at certain jobs like that that are obviously it's not the resources are good enough. Yep. 
and you're doing really well at places like that. How would you tell or advise somebody about the decision between certain, particularly when you had it at the level that you were, where yeah. it wasn't a mid-major job? I think that you have to, you have to figure out as best you can um, what the support system looks like. Right. You know, your athletic director, your president. Um, you know, when I was at Xavier, lockstep. You know, they knew how important college basketball was to that school. Yes. It drove up admission applications. Um, you know, it, it galvanized alums. Um, you know, it allowed Xavier to put buildings on that campus that they never would have thought of, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, so I, I think that's the most important thing is does the president, does the athletic director and all the support people uh, but but can't you you can say that necessarily about any job no, but but can't. I'm talking about I mean no but president and lockstep you don't think that I mean that, that that that's that equally important I I think they have to have the same vision and they have yeah. to, and you have to know that you're supported I'll say this and and I'm not in not, not every school places basketball you know at, at as high as other places. John's been around the country. No, no one does in the power files pretty much. That's why I was asking the question, like, like at a job like that, yep. in yep. hindsight, do that, they're not really my point. I'm asking you the question was yep. having a job like that. Is it almost better because not many in most schools, you're just there and it's all about football, particularly now. And you don't well, have to do I, I think that. so. I mean, I, I, I want basketball to be really, really important. Right. You know, like, cause obviously it's crazy important to me, but I know, you know, this Randolph cause you were in the business. How many right. of those coaches talked about that? They love being at a football school cause they can sort of hide behind the car behind it. Yeah. Right. 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 You know? And I, I just, I couldn't live that way. Like I, I want to make sure that, you know, our, our guys are practicing hard every day. We're trying to win a championship. Like I want them to have as much support. I want, I want students at the games, you know, I want exactly. students camping out before the games and, you don't find that at, at, at a lot of places, right? And you certainly find it at Xavier. And so there's a lot of places that are like that 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 really care about basketball, and they still have football as well at some of those places. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Right, because at the end of the day, Nate Oates can do an unbelievable job. And he is. And he is already doing it. He is already doing it. The fact is, though, it's – and this is nothing against Nate, but as long as Alabama football is playing, Alabama basketball is the equivalent of a bear doing you-know-what in the woods. That's that's what it is. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's that's just the case. The same can be said. Like, I get those, I get those vibes – Florida State, I think they they get good attendance. But if you ask any common fan of Florida State athletics, 
they're going to say what they want badly. And what they want badly is a college football playoff berth, that they would do anything to have that. And you can go right down the line. It's hard. I went to a TCU game last week. TCU was hosting Providence. There were 2,000 people maybe in the building. Jamie Dixon could do wonders with TCU, and they'll get some good crowds in the Big 12. You know why? Because they're playing Baylor, and they're playing Texas, and there's some bad blood there anytime those two schools. Those two schools could have have a hot dog eating contest, and there'd be people there to see who wins. But I think to Chris's point, here's what I would submit about this. And then we're going to get to Fran McCaffrey because then we got some story time for rivalry weekend. But I think it's interesting, Chris, because at least in my time covering the Big East very closely, even at some of the basketball institutions, at a certain point, there gets to be a time where there's a cap, where there's a cap, or where their messaging doesn't necessarily match what the commitment is from an administration standpoint. And I always felt this with you at Xavier, and I still feel it with Xavier. Whenever I walk into Xavier's facility, I know, at least from my vantage point, that basketball is going to come first and that that administration, if they're asked for something, will do what they can to make it happen to win. Very fair. And there's some places that might say they're basketball first, but behind the scenes, they don't end up having what 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 they say because of certain things and because at the end of the day, it's a money thing. Yep. It's a money thing. And, and if your university president doesn't get sports, you're in trouble. You know that Price is Right game of the, the hill climber? That's where you're going to be. You're going to be trying to battle to get up to make that president realize... You want two things out of a university president. You want the university president to either be invested in sports and realize it, or you want the the university president to not give a damn about sports, but they know they don't give a damn, so they let the people who do give a damn make the decisions. All right. Iowa won tonight. They beat Iowa State in commanding fashion, and we had Fran McCaffrey. Jeffrey Goodman joined for this as well. Here's the conversation. Iowa wins it 75-56 to tonight over the 20th-ranked Iowa State Cyclones, and we are joined by the Hawkeyes head coach, Fran McCaffrey. Now, Fran, it feels like yesterday that we just saw you, and, and it really wasn't that long ago in terms of two days. And tonight your team puts together a, a great performance against a top 20 Iowa State team. What can you say about your group's resolve in such a quick turnaround to beat a team like this by 19? Well, you're right. I I, I, I couldn't be more proud. I think, you know, I talked about this with the guys after. Uh, we put a game plan together. You know, we we put our offense in in the summer through the fall. We talk about defensive concepts. We work on things. But it really comes down to your ability to compete and to be able to process a game plan. Uh, the other night, I thought we we fought hard. We didn't play particularly well. Yeah, I always credit the other team when that happens. I don't say, well, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. That's why we lost. Okay, yeah, we didn't do some things, but uh, – we fought them. We hung in there. Uh, no excuses. We knew this when we scheduled this game. 
right? It's good. You know, I didn't know it was going to be a 930 game <laughs> on Tuesday night. I didn't know that. I didn't know that the Illinois-Texas game was going to go into overtime That's right. either. So it was really a 10 o'clock game. Hey, hey, still, whoever scheduled it, come on. One day in between, they should be fired for scheduling this. Well, I can't fire myself. <laughs> right. Somebody should take away the scheduling from you. How's that? Well, basically what happened, Jeff, you know, in a year where we had both challenges, the Big East and the ACC, Iowa State, we played two power fives in Florida, Clemson and TCU. Uh, and 20 league games, we had, we literally had one game to schedule. And we were not going to schedule one anywhere else than Carver-Hawkeye Arena. And then we got the phone call, do you want to participate in the Jimmy V? Well, that that is something that I consider is, is very special on a number of different levels. And you and I talked about it before the game. Yep. You know, our relationship with Dick Vitale and what we've done, uh, my wife and I, with Coaches versus Cancer, with the V Foundation, with what we went through with Patrick. We want to be a part of that. You have a chance to play Duke in Madison Square Garden. You recruit young athletes and you tell them, hey, we're going to play in the best arenas. We're going to play in the in the most prestigious events. You get an invitation to play, you accept it. You don't come up with a reason why you can't. Now, I knew – I really didn't think we were going to get back. They, were, they didn't get to bed till 5 a.m. And like I said before, we gained an hour coming back. With the time change. So we, we we were locked in, guys, yesterday for practice. We were locked in today at the shoot-around. And I just felt like we were going to play well, and we sure did. So I, I picked you, as you know, to win the Big Ten prior to the year. I was, getting I, lot, hey, I was getting a lot of shit the other night after that Duke game at Madison Square Garden from Fana, from Rob Doster, from John Henson. They're all killing me. Uh, Did you at least... tell them that you know way more about basketball than they do? Did uh, well, I couldn't, hey, I couldn't that night. That night I didn't have, have a lot. You didn't give me a lot of ammo, Fran. You just say, listen, that's why you played 31 games. That's right. That's right. What What do you – listen, the fact that you did this tonight against a rival, and I'm telling you, it was about as dominating a performance as I've seen in a long time in a rivalry game, Fran, but you did it without Chris Murray – how shocked were you that you were able to 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 win it? Not only the the way you won it. I mean, it was crazy. Well, here's the thing. You know, when you when you substitute Connor for Chris, you know he's experienced. He can score. He knows how to play against unique styles. They have a unique style defensively, Iowa State, mm -hmm. and so he's going to fight you. He was spectacular. Uh, I knew Robracha would be fine. I knew Tony would be great. Tony Tony was not pleased with himself the other night. He didn't play well. Nope. And he was going to come back and have a great game. You know, pretty much everybody I put in played well. And, and like I said, it's all about competition. These guys being ready to compete. Uh, my concern was not, you know, could we play well and could we win without Chris Murray? My concern was, would it really affect our depth? Like, we were okay. But if all of a sudden Connor's in foul trouble or Rabracha's in foul trouble, we get really small. And so uh, the fact that those guys were able to play 35, 37 minutes was the difference. Brand, something that I observed the other night, watching your team run back to the tunnel at the end of the game. You had a couple at the Garden. You had a couple of Iowa fans that are cheering you on saying, it'll be all right next game, next game. 
watching your kids' faces, you could tell that you have an experienced group because, yes, they were probably pissed off they lost. They were pissed off they lost. But it, it just feels like there's a, a, a great sense of awareness from your group, a realization of who they are and the marathon of a season. Did you sense that in the last 48 hours? Well, I think that's that's a very accurate statement. And, and it, it goes back to, you know, Joe, Jeff was giving me a hard time about scheduling. But I think the only way you schedule the way we did with, with this schedule, I would just explain to you what it was, is if you have total belief in your guys. And, and you can't do it without experience, without toughness, without versatility. And so when I scheduled this way, I felt like we could handle it. And, and, and I think what you noticed and what you witnessed was a maturity that, quite frankly, is a necessity. Because yeah. anything short, and we're going to get blown out. Yeah. You know, this team would blow you out. So uh, the way we came out of the gate and, and, then, and then just maintained the lead. 22. 20 to 2. Yeah, I mean that—that's—that's that, that's obviously what we hope to do every game. It doesn't happen yeah. that way. No, no. But uh, you know the way we held them off, because you know this is a competitive team. TJ does a great job. They're going to keep coming. They're going to keep fighting. But so did we. Uh, last question, real quick. Give me the thirty-second update if you can, Doctor McCaffrey. Uh, Chris Murray. I tweeted before the game. Sources kind of told me that he could be out a little while here with his foot injury. Uh, how long are you expecting him to be out? I, I really think, Jeff, it's too early to tell. Uh, you know, he he had tests done yesterday, you know, and then he had obviously visits with doctors. Uh, he may see another doctor, uh, and then they'll decide on treatment. Uh, but, you know, it, it just depends on how quickly he starts feeling better. And uh, we'll look forward to getting him back you know, when that happens, but, you know, I would think he, he'd be out for a week or so, maybe two weeks, but again, could be sooner and it could be longer. I hope it's not longer, okay. but you know, we'll defer to the welfare of the student athlete on that, as you know. Uh, we uh, hope thanks, he's sir. all right. We hope he's thank all you. right. And Fran, we thank you for the time. And Dr. McCaffrey, based on listening to Jeff Goodman's voice, nobody was impacted more by a 10 PM start the other night than Jeff. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Listen to me. Uh, your your players are tough. I am evidently not very tough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's great catching up with you guys. Thanks. You too. Thanks, Fred. We thank Fran McCaffrey for his time. His Hawkeyes put together a statement performance tonight without Chris Murray. Super impressive to see Iowa just beat down Iowa State. Not even 48 hours removed from a game at Madison Square Garden, guys. Briefly, before we get to the weekend, what did Iowa show tonight, Randolph? You didn't expect it missing Chris, you know, Chris Murray. And 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 I didn't think McCaffrey played well early in the game as well. And it wasn't competitive. I mean, like, it's, I mean, shit, you just throw the tape away. I don't even know what you say to a team after that. I mean, Chris, they just did, they, they never got off the damn bus. Like, like that, that was just, I mean, it was 20 from the start. It was, I think it was 15-0 before they scored. Yeah. And, and it was never a game. Like, I, 
I joked with Jeff. We were all joking via text before, like, all right, they're going to make a run. They're going to make a run. It was like, all right, they'll make one run, and that's it. They never made a run. It just went to 30 in the second half. Like, I, I don't know if you learn anything about that because I don't believe they're 30. They're, you know, Iowa's not 30 points better than Iowa State on an average day. No. Uh, but they, they were today. So I, I, I that type of game, if you're Iowa, you don't want to get too high on it. But I was impressed with them with their play without, you know, the, you know with Chris being out and then their second lead score and McCaffrey not playing great. They It didn't matter. I mean, they looked like they didn't miss a damn beat. You ever I, just burn the tape back? You ever just – you ever just not, we're not watching that game. I mean, I, maybe not with your players, but right. we certainly watch it as coaches, right. you know. Um, I mean, I, I, the, the McCaffrey kids, man, they, they just – they're they're so nasty, you know. That they're, they're always talking to the bench, whether it's their own bench, whether it's the opposition's <laughs> bench. You know, if, if anybody knows Fran outside of like, you know, the lines, that's how Fran is. You know, Fran just so like the dad. You can see his his kids, you know, have the same persona, and they are ultra competitive, tough as uh, hell. They're cocky. They they got, and I say that in a great way. They they have high IQ. And, you know, going into the game, I heard a lot about, like, hey, Iowa State has this massive turnover rate against teams, and, you know, they're going to turn you over. A little bit harder to do on a team's home court. They didn't turn them over early. Iowa State isn't a team that scores a lot. And all of a sudden, it's 15 nothing. It's like you're a, a team that runs the football and you're down 20-3. to three. You know, it's just like you're not going to run the rest of the game. you got to try to keep up with Iowa's pace, and uh, it, it wasn't going to happen, like, RC said, man, it was it was curtains after the first four minute war. It was fifteen to nothing, and uh, you know, in a rivalry game, those guys weren't going to take their foot off the gas pedal. I was not tonight. Not tonight. Nice resolve by Iowa to lose the way they did against Duke. Did not have it. You then you you're not you don't have your star. You're without your star player, your centerpiece, who did struggle against Duke, but he's a centerpiece. He's had big time games this season. And that just shows Fran McCaffrey's one of the better coaches in the country. And that, that his team can respond. They have a great sense of who they are. Nice win for Iowa. Let's turn to the weekend slate here as we start to wind down. Randolph Childress. There won't be any winding down in Houston on Saturday Ooh. because first time since the nineteen sixties that the Cougars have a top ten matchup that they're hosting. They're going to host Alabama. What comes to mind when you think about Brandon Miller and Clowney and Javon Quinterly and a rematch with the Cougars and Marcus Sasser, Tremont Mark and company of a game last year that went down to the buzzer? The rule change. We were just talking about that, right? The, the goaltend. Goaltending, yeah. You know, with J, was it J.D. Davidson, Davidson, I think it was, involved in that play? Yep. Um, I, I – Again, I expect it to be another big test, big game. I mean, I'm, I don't want to draw a whole lot from it. If you're Houston, you won't get as – you know, I don't know how how well when they get in the conference play, they'll be tested. You know, you'll get – you know, Memphis is always tough. They defend very well. But throughout that conference, I think they're just heads above everyone else in that conference. And there'll be a few other games, a few other tough teams. But I think they'll learn a lot about themselves right now. Home game, that place will be electric. But they're good. I mean, let's be clear. I mean, I I think I mean they you can make the argument they they need this resume play just for the sake of being number one. I think people have questioned their resume so far being number one when Carolina had their fall off. But yeah. I guess my question would be, or my That's curiosity would be, if I I don't like to overthink it too much with this game, but but it is a, for both teams. 
That's gonna be a hornet's nest for Alabama. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be it's gonna be brutal. Like, like you said, Randolph, you know, like again, no disrespect to you know the conference that, that Houston's in, but you know, Houston fans aren't aren't used to seeing a, a top no. ten team come in. No. And especially after the uh fireworks that happened at the end of the year at Alabama uh last season, I think it's gonna be uh one to tune in to for sure. All right. Now it's time for the fun. I had to go to the fridge because I've been looking forward to this the entire night. <laughs> there we go. We got the cold one. Is that your like third or fourth one, Fana? Yeah, it might okay. be five or six here. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, it's going down at Fifth Third Arena. <laughs> when Xavier takes on Cincinnati. Mm. You've been a part of this game, Chris. Three Eastern Time Saturday, ESPN2. Folks out there watching, if you have never seen this game live, please mark, and you like college basketball, mark it down on your bucket list because that's what this game is. Chris Mack, describe the Skyline Chili Crosstown Shootout. Man, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's as intense as it gets. And, you know, you, you, you can feel that as a player, as a coach, even even when you walk out an hour and a half before the game starts, just the way the TV people are setting up, just the way that the support <laughs> staff is walking around the arena, like it just feels like there's this electricity in the air. And you know, being from Cincinnati, you know, I get it even more. You know, Cincinnati is a town that, first of all, it's a great town, but. They're going to ask you where you went to high school. And everybody's, hey, where'd you go to high school? They, they want they want to peg you. You know, they want to figure out like, hey, are you an east sider? Are you a west sider? Okay, what type of west sider are you? And then when it comes to you seeing Xavier, like you get those people to say, ah, I root for both teams. That that means that they, they don't follow the sport. You know, that, that means they don't have any, <laughs> any stake in the game at all. Um, you know, I had relatives that I know were rooting against me when I was the coach at Xavier. I have relatives that I know when I played at Xavier were rooting against me. It's just um, they don't like Xavier, and Xavier doesn't like them. So it's um, yeah, it's a hell of a rivalry. You had I mean, relatives. The schools are three miles apart. Right. They're three miles apart. The students from the campuses will infiltrate at times the other campus during the week and bring signage and their shirts and all that. Yeah, right? social media makes it even worse now because now they can put it on TikTok and you know they're 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 trying to one up each other. Man, all in fun, but like because it's one thing to say rivalry, but this is personal. There are some households that are divided on this particular day. There have been. Yes, there's been fights on the court. Okay, there was there was the brawl of 2011. There's been fights. I'm that. sure. Yeah, you I you remember, remember yeah. you remember, remember a thing that. or two about that. And, <laughs> and we're not gonna get we're not gonna get into vivid details about it. We're not gonna get into vivid details about it because because it's done and it's done with. But by the same token, like that that fight was a result of frankly pure hatred, right? disrespect you know I, I think it for the longest time you know obviously uc had a program that um you know was was better 
better conference, you know, better results, uh, better nationally. And then um, something sort of changed, you know, the, for a while it was a little engine that could with Xavier and um, it didn't matter how good Cincinnati was. Xavier was going to like stand up to the bully. And then over time it was like, they got used to standing up to the bully. Right. And so it's, you know, those guys play against each other in summer leagues. You know, the the, the fans don't like each other. Um, you know, it's just um, – it's as intense as it gets, John. <laughs> Randolph, when you're playing in a, in a rivalry game, you know, and, and then Chris – Wake I'll Forest, get Carolina, it's just, they're, they're nice, man. They're, 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 they got great players on both sides. They're, they're nice guys. There weren't any rivalries, you know what I mean? Randolph no. just threw it up to Tim and – Tim threw it out to Randolph. I mean, it's just—is <laughs> that true? You know what I mean, like, I wish he wasn't it was taking that easy. charges. He wasn't like doing any gut punches, like you know, when there was a scrum. <laughs> I was trying to get thrown out of the game. That's probably why I didn't. <laughs> but no, you, you, there's nothing like them. I, I think they're the best thing about college athletics. If Randolph, if he, if he'd have done that little deal where, where you know, like little crossover and then like. Waved him over. Who was that? Was that Shimon? Uh, McGinnis. No, McGinnis, right? Yeah, if he'd done that, like, in the Xavier-UC rivalry, man, like, whew. You can't do that. Hey. Yes, you can. There'd have been bench clearing on that one. Listen, yes, you can. Back you, it up. You damn sure could. <laughs> he backed it up. You, you damn sure could if you could back it up. <laughs> you know? excuse me you you damn sure could like why 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 not see if well a kids kids can't do it now because they get thrown out it'd be a technical foul anyway so they couldn't do it but yeah that's the one thing that's about that that's different now it's a freaking technical foul so i just feel bad for you because like you know the highlights aren't in hd you know nowadays go yeah yeah i mean it's like every i mean like it was such an incredible moment you know great play something's gonna live forever and it's got to be fuzzy you know and the three o'clock start time on Saturday. Bad time. Yeah, I it mean, is- like, I just, you know, I, I just loved the game when it was at night. You know, there was just so, it was just the lead up, you know. Um, but I'd play that thing at one in the morning, six in the morning. It really didn't matter. It was it was fun to be a part of, for sure. You one-on-one versus. Because he it. won. Because he won. That's why it was fun. Of yeah. course he won. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you. And 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 for the record here, got got plenty to learn. Got plenty to learn. Not gonna not gonna we, say we I don't. Know, not gonna say I don't. I will say this from the time from the time covering the sport, Cincinnati at Xavier at the Cintas Center is as loud as I've ever heard of a building in my life. I'm not kidding you. That's that loud. And I watched some ass kickings in that building. Ass kickings. J.P. McCure and Trayvon Blewett kicked Cincinnati's ass. Yes, they it did. was not close. It wasn't close, right? Yeah, no, no, it wasn't. Not not their senior year. It wasn't. You know, they by the time those guys were seniors, they they, they knew what it was all about. You know, like historically, freshmen on both sides, Xavier and UC, freshmen on both sides had no chance. No, no chance. Like they. <laughs> Like they, I didn't care who they were, man. It was, it could be Kenyon Martin as a freshman. It could be Trayvon Blewett as a freshman. They, they might have like a moment or two in the game, but like you couldn't rely on those guys. But 
when guys had been in three crosstown shootouts and they got to their senior year, like they, they knew what it was about. And so experience in that game, it matters. And, you know, Xavier's got some guys that have been through it. So it, it'll be uh, interesting. It's always tougher, obviously, to play on the road. Um, not because of the travel, that's for sure. But the uh, <laughs> the environment's not going to be very uh, friendly to them. All right. That just about wraps us up here on this Thursday night into a Friday morning. Do you have a cheers that you want to give out, RC? Anybody that you want to toast to tonight? I do. I want to toast to Brittany Griner. Yes. I'm glad she's oh, coming man. home. I mean, we talked about so much about college athletics, and but basketball, I mean, wrongly detained. We all know that. And, and punishment didn't fit the crime. So to Brittany. Yes. You're here. You know what? No better way to, to finish off than that. Uh, cheers to her. I'm glad that she is coming home because it sounds like, frankly, she went through hell. Sure. And uh, very glad that she's coming home. And uh, that's that's a great way to take us home. So welcome back, Brittany Griner. And thank you, RC, because that's a uh, right way to finish off the show. We thank all of you for watching. We thank Fran McCaffrey. We thank Chris Holtman. We're off tomorrow night. So Goodman and Doster are off tomorrow night. What? You're all off. Jet, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, hopefully Goodman, you know, takes his wife out for a night on the town. For heaven's sake, like, do He's something on a – what? He's too cheap. He's Yeah, I mean, he, what is he on vacation or somewhere? He's still in Vegas? Like, what, what is he doing? What do you mean he's off? Like, off doing what? <laughs> do you – um? Do you, <laughs> and, and, Mac, you're getting paid in what from him? For this i think he's paying me like an apple applebee's gift cards or something i i don't know what he's what he's <laughs> promised whatever he promised he won't deliver on i can tell you that i would trade my checks the little you know the end of the month checks for the applebee's cards for the half yeah. apps yeah you've yeah. been you've hey, come fan, in uh, before, making before, the grip. before we get out of here fan any predictions for the uh browns at Bengals game on sunday sure. yeah i i think I think Nick Chubb continues to be a problem for the Bengals. Goes for a big game in this one. Miles Garrett, Joe Burrow Stop said, it. "What makes what makes the Browns Stop so it. difficult?" Miles Garrett. We I like Cleveland in this game. Stop you know, you, it. Oh, that that's that's a shocker. Um, you know the <laughs> five, the the Browns. I I can't believe this. They're five and a half point underdogs. I mean, yeah. they've beaten us like five straight times or something crazy. You know. Right. And by the way, these aren't like seventeen to sixteen games. These are like. 37 to 17. I mean, yeah, I just, blowout city. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got it. Oh, uh, um, it's going to be another one. I hope so. Randolph. We need, we need this one, man. We need this one. Take control. going to be a blowout. City. I, don't, I don't, I don't think the Ravens without Lamar this weekend are, are going to get that one. So then they're going to, right. And we got the Ravens next week. So the run starts now for the Browns. <laughs> That's what I'm saying right here, right here. <laughs> so long, everybody. Thanks for watching after dark. We're off Friday night. We're back Saturday at 11 Eastern time. Thanks for watching.